Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. <laughs> You're on the crazy train. <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. That's right, you know where you're at with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards today, and we welcome you to, like the guy said, the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. live. So if you want to be part of the show, you've got questions or comments, call us at 414-799-1250. Or you can always email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And I just want to let you folks know that today, March 13th, tonight you want to turn your clocks ahead. we got that daylight savings time coming up. So turn your clocks ahead tonight. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Tom. And the nice thing about being a retired guy is you don't really care whether you're turning the clock forward or backward anymore. That's it true. Really... Let's just let the old sun wake you up. <laughs> that's right. That's right, my friend. And uh, that's a, the beauty of doing the show right now as opposed to like, oh, I don't know, a month or so ago, a month or so ago, I'd look out the window and it's black outside, dark as can be, which was rather depressing. But now it's sun is out. Well, no sun, but it's daylight. And it just puts a little pep in your step in the morning as opposed to wanting to just roll over and sack some more. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, since we've gone through this whole COVID thing, you know, with the radio station and everything, that at least we know that, you know, if they let us back in this summer to the station, I'm sure we'll go to the station and do the show, but at least we know that if we're sick or if it's in the wintertime, if it's too crappy out to drive, we can always do it from home. Yeah, I suppose that might be a possibility. Who knows what the future may bring. Uh, before I forget, uh, Tom, uh, let's see. Oh, one thing. Uh, last week's uh, Hornschwaggle winner was Shane, and uh, I got that mailed out yesterday, so if Shane's listening right now, uh, I got a little bit delayed on that, so sorry about that, but that should be coming. Also, 
My good friends at Park Avenue Pizza want me to announce their St. Patrick's Day special, so I'll mention this in the second time hour. Uh, they've got their famous corned beef dinner, tender corned beef sliced to order, cabbage, baby red potatoes topped with herb-infused butter and served with their freshly baked Irish soda bread. They also have a Guinness stew, a hearty stew made with tenderloin tips, and just a hint of the famous Guinness stout added at just the right time. They've got some uh, drink specials. Um, they've got the Guinness, of course, but then March drink specials, Irish car bombs. Uh, boy, I don't know. About Irish that. car bombs. <laughs> Irish car bombs. Now, you know, in today's cancel culture, I uh, nobody, nobody, nobody worries about insulting the Irish. They're probably like one of those that uh, nobody, cancel culture isn't worried about them. But uh, Irish car bombs, uh, drink, pot of gold, Irish coffee, Bailey's cheesecake, half and half, which is Guinness and Hart, black and tan, which is Guinness and uh, Boss Ale, Bass, I, I don't know, can't read. Black and blue, Guinness and blue moon, my friends. So stop out at Park Avenue Pizza. You know what sounded good in there? It was that uh, Bailey's uh, cheesecake, because I like Bailey's. You know that that's that's good stuff. And I love cheesecake. So yeah, who yeah. like cheesecake. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Something you're right. Nothing like a good cheesecake. I haven't had cheesecake and gosh darn since I was 18 years old and moved out of the house and mom didn't have mommy making me cherry cheesecake anymore. Oh, that sounds delicious. I'm gonna have to ask my missus if she can make me one of those. How about how about you have the missus share a favorite gut report cheesecake recipe for us sometime? Oh, that would take too long. You know who made a really good cheesecake was uh, Keith. You know the electrician Keith, our loyal listener and good friend. He uh, his wife Char, she makes a darn good cheesecake. She uh, brought one to Monkey Island one time that we all feasted on. So. Not ju- not just any cheesecake, Tom. It was the gosh darn good cheesecake. It was a damn good one, yes. The gosh darn good kind. Yes, definitely. Hey, long as we're on food and we never know which direction Uh-oh. we're going, uh, I got in my hand a bottle. Uh, it says Big John's Old West Barbecue and Dippin' Sauce. Great barbecue sauce from the Great Plains. So when I and Al Shook were out with his crazy buddy Randy out there in North Dakota trying to catch the perch that weren't there. Uh, Randy, nice guy, hands me and Al a bottle of this Old West barbecue and dipping sauce, and I'm thinking, what's this crazy guy giving this to me for? He says this stuff is from out this area. It's really good. And let me tell you, Tom, I just incidentally ran out of ketchup about a week ago, so I thought, oh, I'll try this stuff. It's totally gone. It's the best barbecue sauce I've ever had. Barbecue sauce I've ever had. You can put oh. it on burgers. You can dip. You got to try this stuff, Tom. So then I went online, and you can get it at Shields. Um, Shields, which I believe there's one up in Appleton, and I think you, I think you can even order it online. It's like $4.99 a bottle. But I found my new favoriteest uh, barbecue sauce. Oh, good for you. You know, now that you bring it up, I should mention there's. Uh... For people who have diabetes and are supposed to stay away from sugar, there's actually a sugar-free barbecue sauce called Hughes. And uh, it, it, I know we found it at Woodman's and a few other stores, 
but uh, again, you know, sugarless barbecue sauce, that's, you think, well, that's not going to be so good. No, it was pretty darn good. So, you know, if you've got diabetes and you stay away, you've got to stay away from sugar, Hughes is the barbecue sauce to look for. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that good suggestion. And I'm looking on the health, on the label of this Old West. Uh, sugar, 12 grams. I don't know how terrible that is. Uh, uh, that's quite a bit. Is that quite a bit? Well, if you've got diabetes, yeah. Oh, okay. And it's fat-free. Really Sodi- away from it, yeah. Sodium, I avoid. I don't use salt anymore. Sodium, 250 mgs, 10% of your daily value. Yeah, I guess that's not too bad. I don't know. But is that, what, for one tablespoon or two tablespoons? Uh, that says for two TBSPs. Yeah, tablespoons, two? yeah, so... I'm sure, you know, you use more than that, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I like, but, you know, a guy has to have his vices, Tom, you know. That's I don't, right. I don't use salt from the salt shaker anymore. Uh, that's become a thing of the past, unless it's a venison burger, and then you have to use the Lowry seasoning salt. There you uh, go. Mix that Lowry seasoning salt with the venison burger, maybe a little bit of garlic powder and so forth, and don't overcook the burger. If you want to add a little moisturizer, you could put a little Italian dressing. And I'll tell you what, you make a venison burger, pure venison. Even You don't need it mixed with all that pork and, and beef, just pure venison. If you cook it right, you can have a great burger. And don't get regular hamburgers, soggy hamburger buns. Go buy those dinner rolls for a buck ninety-nine at Pick and Save, those great big rolls, or get the Kaiser rolls. Then you got a big bun for that half-pound venison burger. So... That's my grilling tip of the week, Tom. <laughs> and I had no idea I was going to give that. I don't think anybody wanted my tips. Oh, goodness, that's funny. <laughs> and uh, speaking of tips, um, I, I put away the, uh, the ice fishing gear now. I went up for one last hurrah. I and Arizona Joe went up to the Bay of Green Bay. Now, the ice by Tilkey... Uh, I knew that would be no good. In fact, when I talked to Tilkey, some poor guy went out there, and uh, he uh, and Tilkey told him, he says, you know, the ice isn't so good. And sure enough, the guy went through. He showed up back at Tilkey soaking wet, asking if he could buy a sweatshirt, and evidently he went through. He was lucky to make it out alive. Because uh, the ice kept breaking, he did, you know, and you you just go off a little bit of ways, and, and it's over your head instantly. So, hope I guess the guy went through relatively quick, thankfully, so he's close enough to get out. But he lost his wallet, lost his cell phone, lost all his fishing stuff. Everything uh, went in the drink. So, just, uh, yeah, just to let people know, uh, the listeners know Tilkey's is the owner of uh, Smokey's on the Bay up at the mouth of the Fox River. So just so people know who, who Tilkey is. <laughs> so I but knew he enough lost not... everything, huh? Well, the one guy did, yeah. So uh, Tilkey oh, had man. to help him out. But anyway, uh, we went up to... Uh, we were going to try and fish the Sturgeon Bay Ship Canal because I got a, a picture. I'll email it to you, Tom. Um, a guy got a... Well, Ron Heidenreich sent it to us. You probably got it. guy got a 45-inch, 25-and-a-half-pound yeah. northern... Um, I stopped at Howie's and talked to the guy. That fish was caught on what's known as the flats. And uh, Dale Strosheim had actually told me about a place over there on the, uh, I guess it'd be the northern 
uh, northeast side of the uh, of the ship canal and there's a bar I think it's called Barbingers and people park near that bar and go out into this big flat kind of an area and that's where that big one was caught now by the time I got up there the ship canal looked a little bit shaky so we went to the back of Sawyer Harbor myself and Arizona Joe and had a lovely day there uh, had one tip-up grab and uh, a drive-by and dropped and grabbed uh, interesting thing though Tom we watched some kids I say kids they were high school or college age yeah. and they had a bunch of tip downs with little rods and they were running non-stop and they're only in like four feet of water and they were catching big perch and yeah and that and and that looked like something that would be pretty fun to do you know had we had another day or two of decent weather we would have geared up and tried to get those big perch in fact uh, Joe was talking to me and he's got uh, he talks about some lake which will remain nameless that he will fish in the spring last ice in just a couple feet of water and he'll use tip-ups with small minnows and he catches huge perch he showed me the picture of him and I'm telling you, they were a picture of them next to a fillet knife. I'm thinking, why did you go to North Dakota when you can get get these sons of guns around here? Of course, you got to know the secret lake and the secret right. time to do it. But have you heard of perch, a shallow water perch pattern in the spring, Tom? Not really, no. no. Well, I guess you did now because uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Know. Yeah, those kids were running for quite a bit, and uh, they caught some nice ones, too. Then there were other people out more towards the mouth of uh, Sawyer Harbor, towards the ship canal. And there were guys set up for perch there, too. So evidently, that's kind of a, a perch kind of an area, and uh seems like the perch are coming back in the bay, Tom. Well, you know, years ago when I fished uh, Sawyer Harbor a lot for smallmouth bass, we'd always catch, you know, you'd catch a walleye or two, you'd catch a northern or two, but you catch a lot of smallies, but you would also get perch every now and then, you know. So I can see, you know, and that would be, let's say, like in the month of May. So I can see them being in there, you know, when there were a lot of perch in the Bay of Green Bay years ago. I can see them being in Sawyer Harbor, and now that they're coming back, yeah, I can see them being in there. You bet. Now, when, for perch, are they a, a spring or a fall spawner? Well, they spawn in the spring, but okay. the thing is, is that... Uh, they come in shallow in the fall, too, because right. my sons and I always fish for them in a couple of different lakes in the fall where they come in into by maybe uh, less than six feet of water. You know, they come in shallow. Well, I used to catch them in spring and fall sitting on my in lawn chair in the backyard uh, by the Swamico River right across from the launch back in the 80s, back when I and my uh, old roommate Jack rented a house up there, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, they'd come. It, it was pretty much a fall and spring thing, and you could just chuck out a little night crawler, a little worm, just chuck it out, split shot on the bottom. I, I don't even think we used floats back then, but you're right. I guess they come in shallow both times a year, so uh, there's some some ways to target the perch, and it's you know hopefully they keep coming back in the bay. Yeah, hopefully because uh, I'll tell you. Uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, was it last week or the week before? Uh, the, the, Larry Smith was catching perch off of the O'Connell River uh, out on the ice on the Bay of Green Bay and uh, just catching really nice perch, yeah. So they're coming back. They definitely are. 
hopefully people are a little bit more uh, judicious or selective and, and they don't just, you know, just pound the heck out of them. You know what I mean? I, I don't oh. know what the regulations are. Well, I think they got lower bag limits on them now anyway. Yeah, I think it's 10 or 15. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I know it's 10 or 15. But, but you know, there are, there are those people out there. They'll go out and get their 10 or 15. They'll take them back, put them in the trunk, go back out, get another 10 or 15. You know, they'll, there's people who will do that. And I hope that if our listeners see somebody doing that, they call the DNR tip line and uh, drop a dime on those scallywags. Those gosh darn scallywags. And <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think it's typically the older guys. I think it's the older guys that are the rascals on that. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's people of all walks, you know, I mean, all different ages and whatever. You don't want me discriminating against old people right now? Well, of course, we uh, might as well discriminate against ourselves when I talk like that. Yeah, that's You're true. no spring chicken, neither am I, buddy. Yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> me neither. Yeah, but you look good, Tom. Well, you know what? A, you're We're still a chick a magnet, dude. For our first break, so yeah, okay, let's we, go to the first break. We better do that, We're, folks. We'll, stay tuned. We'll be more right back with more rambling here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. So stay tuned. We got more to come. Welcome back to Milwaukee Rock City. This is the, whoop. <laughs> what did you do, drop your phone? You got too excited there. <laughs> Fumble! <laughs> this is the Wacky Wally's Cutting Edge Outdoors. And yeah, my phone's not broke, fortunately. They make these things shockproof, I think. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people drop them in, but they make those special cases for them, just in case, you know. Yeah, me no bother with that case. Hey, uh, Tom, I, I got to ask you a question. Um, being as, I'm, you know, I'm putting the tip-ups away for the year, uh, I was talking to one guy, my brother, in fact, and he fished with an old guy named Fred up by West Bend years ago, and old Fred always swore that when you store your tip-ups, you want to uh, store them with the spool side down, so that the grease doesn't like run out the other way or something. Have you ever heard anything along those lines? I, I no. Okay, and no, then I, I think that grease in there is, is in there pretty good. I, I've never heard of it really leaking out. Well, well, Randy. Now, Randy, uh, our barbecue sauce expert uh, up in North Dakota, he he says he always lays them flat and just has them stores them horizontal. For that same reason, something to do with the grease. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know our good friend Dave over at Badger, right? Badger Real Repair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He 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 does tip ups as well, I believe, right. for the Beaver Dam. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a Beaver Dam fan. I prefer HT, HT Enterprises tip ups. I've got all three models of those, and I just like those better. Well, I guess it's a personal preference thing, you know. HT, Beaver Dam, Frable, Clam, they all they all make decent items, you know, decent products. So I guess it just depends which one you like better. So. And I guess now is probably the time when you might get a deal if some place even has tip-ups or ice fishing gear uh, left. Now uh, is kind uh, of the they time. Don't even have, places don't even have them out yet. 
No. I took down all our stuff at Sherpers last week. Took that all down and uh, put out whatever new stuff I got in. You know, I made a pretty big fishing order, and uh, I got maybe 10 or 15% of it. Uh, it's. I just hope that this year isn't like last year because of the COVID that we couldn't get the stuff that we ordered, you know. Well, so. I talked to uh, Tilkey at Smokey's Musky Shop up there on the bay, and uh, uh, any of our listeners, you got to stop out there. It's right past Bay Beach State Park, uh, or yeah, yeah, City Park, on State Park, but past Bay Beach Park by the mouth of the fox. He's got a great selection there. In fact, I while I was there, I was fortunate enough, enough I found some Cigar Invis X, the uh, fluorocarbon line that I've been searching for in just the right poundage. And I thank my lucky stars because it's really tough to get stuff. He even mentioned he put in an order and he got whatever, 30% of his order. It's really tough to get stuff now. So right now, if you can find your line, get your line, uh, even rods and reels right now too. Uh, now I ordered a couple of new, uh, new Fenwick and uh, Fluger President reel combos but a lot of the combos uh, are sold out, you know, so I was I fortunate know. to find that nice combo. Still yeah, I ordered, I ordered 50 combos, and I got about 15. So, yeah, it, it was, and then I wanted to order a new bait caster for myself, and I asked them about one of them, and they said, oh, we're out of stock. And I asked them about another one. No, we're out of stock. I asked them a third one. No, we're out of stock. And I said, okay, never mind. I'll call back. So... Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's same thing I experienced, Tom. I had to go through about twenty different possible combos. Uh, I like the Fenwick rods. Uh, I like either Abu Garcia bait ca- uh, bait casters, uh, spinning spinning reels, uh, or the Fluger. Fluger makes a pretty good brand, but a lot of the stuffs sold out. I think it's a combination, Tom, of uh, well, COVID. I guess maybe a lot of people weren't working as much, shipping. Uh, combination of things but it's kind of it's kind of weird uh you know we knew there the ammo shortage right um but yeah. uh it's it's kind of going on with the uh, fishing industry right now so get your stuff while you can i will put in a shout for uh, randy up at midwestern shooter supply stopped out there he's still got a gosh darn good selection of firearms up there so if you're tired of going to places with bare shelves uh you can still head up to midwestern shooter supply yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, I want I, I think don't they have a limit on some of the ammo, because you know some Pretty people mo- they'll come yeah, in and yeah. just wipe you out, you know. Well, see, here's the thing: we're kind of our own worst enemies. Yeah. Um, in that it's like the toilet paper thing. As soon as we start thinking there's going to be a shortage, well, you don't go and buy enough just for that month. You go buy a year's supply, and you got guys going and they're buying. A lifetime supply, if they can, of whatever calibers they can get. So our own greed is kind of spiking this, you know, where where everybody's going crazy and hoarding the stuff. And uh, yeah, so my suggestion is, if once your you know hunting round comes out, buy enough to go hunting the next couple of years, but. Don't be a maniac on it because then that just kind of screws it for everybody. It's kind of like this will never come back if everybody keeps doing this. Yeah, a while back over at Sherpers, we had uh, 9 millimeter ammo. Sure. We had about 200 boxes, 
and one guy came in and bought half of them, bought 100 boxes. And then the next day, uh, well, actually, I, I don't know if it was the same day or the next day because I had left at, by 1 o'clock. But the other 100 went to another guy. So, you know, we should have had a limit on them. We right. should have. I think most places now are putting about a two, two box limit on their stuff. Uh, I guess we got Randy, our friend Randy's on the line up in Grafton there, Tom. All right. Good morning, Randy. Yeah, morning. Uh, yeah, both on the tip-ups. Uh, that's what I always heard. I always uh, laid them down, and it had uh, everything to do with the oil. Um, I prefer the HT. Um, I prefer the HT, too, because you could always uh, uh, re-lube them, whereas with the beaver dam, and maybe it's changed now. I know the old beaver dams, you, it was harder to do that. But on the perch fishing, absolutely, up around uh, down on the southern end of the bay, both first ice and late ice, um, those perch were in there, relatively shallow water. First ice, the key, it always seems as if uh, guys up there wait until they can drive out on the ice. And the key was to get out there where you can only walk um, or maybe have a, a four-wheeler. And they seem to be active both early ice and uh, late ice. In fact, one year, uh, <laughs> my buddy Chris, uh, well, we kind of pushed the envelope on keeping the shanty out there. And I, I said, let's get this thing off. We were walking out of the shanty, and you could see the water coming up around it. And the next morning I looked out and I said, uh, Chris, uh, uh, where's the shanty? And it was very, very foggy out. And he said, oh, it's out there, it's out there. Until we started about 10 minutes later getting phone calls. It had broken off and floated down by Red River. And, uh, boy, that was a project with, uh, oh, I think we, we, we walked out there and, with about 300 foot of thick rope, eventually we we were actually were able to winch it in. But definitely both uh, early ice and late ice for those perch, they're they're in there relatively shallow. Yeah, yeah imagine yeah. Uh, imagine now might be the time if you can still walk out, and then uh, and who knows? How, how about uh, open water? Soon as the ice is gone, it's try. You would think a guy could maybe get them from the boat yet, right at that time. Well, yeah, as Tom was mentioning, they spawn They spawn in the spring, just uh, haphazardly lay their eggs on the, uh, on the weeds. So, uh, yeah, the, the weeds, uh, the spawning urge, everything, it just gets better um, once the water starts to warm up after the ice goes out. Gotcha. Well, I'm glad you guys got that shanty back safely uh, and fortunately weren't in it when it broke loose. <laughs> yeah, really. I guess that would yeah. that would be that would be a bummer. I guess Randy hang up hung up on us. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. He he must know we got to go to the six thirty break. So, Randy's a smart guy. He he knows that. <laughs> he so, is very knowledgeable. I will say that. Yes, yes, he is. Okay, we got uh, coming up. We got the gut report, folks. And don't forget, after the six forty five break, we've got the Hornschwaggle. You can win some prizes there. So. Hey, stay tuned. We got a lot. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. 
The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, you know, a few weeks back, folks, I gave you that recipe for olive spread, you know, with the green olives, and it is delicious. I hope you tried it. Well, you know what? I was beginning to think about it. I've done this before, too, and i got to do this again. An olive burger. That's the green olives. Now, you take a pound of ground beef, and you take about a cup of chopped green olives. Well, maybe a half a cup to a cup, somewhere in there. And then you take about another quarter to a half a cup of chopped onions. You mix that all up with a little salt and pepper, maybe a little garlic powder. Make your patties and then fry them. And when you flip them over, put a piece of cheese, whatever kind you like, on the top. If you like olives, you'll like an olive burger. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price, service, and selection at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow in Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. Welcome back to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Newbauer. Hey, thanks for listening and getting on board uh, for a ride on the crazy train today. We always thank the law enforcement officers out there. We back the badge, first responders, healthcare workers, military, and all else out there. Everybody out there working hard in America, uh, we appreciate what you do. And uh, Tom, right now, I think we have a caller on the line. Alrighty. We got Rich in Milwaukee on the line. Hey, good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning. How are you both today? Doing good. Good. Hey, um, I want to remind you or your your listeners that this coming Monday is the start of the leftover turkey tags for the spring harvest. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, it's one of those deals where it's you got. I don't know if it's a phone in or kind of a thing. It starts at 10 a.m. and uh, I don't recall the number, but if you go online, the, the, there's information about the number of tags that are available for each of the zones. You know, yeah, I remember I, last year we were selling them, um, or I, I don't know, I can't remember if they sell them, give them away, whatever it is. 10, what, what's the price on a, it? A tag. Yeah, 10, 10 bucks a tag, Tom. Yeah, and what a, they do yeah. is you, you can go to the DNR website, and that's a great tip, Rich, because I probably would have forgot. I was just talking with a, yeah. a buddy about that this week. And a lot of the zones will have leftover tags. Now, the early weeks uh, are, are the hard ones to get. So, like, right. uh, you know, maybe if April or first couple of weeks of May, there's none available. But a lot of times that mid to late May time, uh, those weeks there, the, you can get a tag yet. I, uh, I, I, I did it a couple of years ago, and my brother hunts up by Oshkosh. He actually actually prefers mid to late May for his turkey hunting up there, and there's uh, tags galore for that zone, so uh, so it's a great opportunity for you. you got to remember, however, uh, in addition to that $10 tag, uh, let's see, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, you also need a turkey stamp, and let's see, your, is it your small game license? Is that it? Yeah, if if you opt that way, um, if you if you if you purchase your your like sportsman um, type license, that that's all included in that. But hey, otherwise, Rich, yeah. I, Rich, I got a question for you. Yeah. Have you shot a turkey before? I was probably one of the first persons in Wisconsin back in the early '80s that had the season, so I I shot many. Okay, so let me ask you this: uh, when you.
you eat the you know the wild turkey which what do you like better the store-bought turkey or the wild turkey you know what be honest with you it's not any different Uh, to me it's not any different all right the reason Uh, i ask that i ask everybody uh you know when we talk turkeys because i've heard 50 50 half of the people like the store-bought half of the people like the wild so and you think they're about even right yeah they're they're just wonderful i what i do with mine is i you know, I did the deep fryer thing for about two or three years, and I got away from that. And uh, I basically take the uh, most of the most of the breast meat, and I, I just basically slow cook it. Uh oh, with a slow cooker. Okay. We, 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 you you uh, blurred it out there for a second or two. No, <laughs> okay. he's good. Um, he sure. uses yeah slow cooker. Um, and my buddy uh, Arizona Joe. He actually saves the whole, the legs and everything. Even though they're tough, if you cook them in a slow cooker and know what you're doing, that can be delicious as well. Exactly. You know what's very good, and and, and you get that with uh, with onions and uh, cranberry sauce and like corn or whatever. It's it's out of this world. That's great. Well, thanks for the call, Rich. Good luck. Hey, uh, quick on Dan. I, I Dan, I think you brought this up uh, many shows ago. You, did you retire out of Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Oh, did did was uh, was Julia the principal at that at any point over there? Yeah, she was the one that recruited me there years ago. Well, the reason I'm saying that is my my wife uh, retired from the MPS school system too, and and she's a friend of Julia's. And and when I remember you heard you saying where you worked, I thought, oh, you must have known her. Oh yeah, Julia. I used to bring her smoked smoked fish years ago. Some when I get brown trout out there in Lake Michigan, she liked that. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, All right. So. I hope we have a better uh, better weather. Last last opening of, uh, of of Turkey last year was nine degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think it can get much worse. <laughs> no, guys, great show as always. All right, whack them and stack them. Yep. Well, you All know, right. we were talking about perch earlier, and uh, last fall, my son Chris and I. You know, normally we go to uh, Oconomowoc for the perch in the fall, but we happen to be on Nagawica, you know, looking for the northern pike. And we did catch, we each kept one legal one that was in the low 30-inch range. But we went over to the west shore, some areas where I used to catch panfish. And I said, well, let's just go see if there's anything over there. And we took out our mini mites and mini mite rods, you know. And we started uh, casting along the weed line edge, and it was in the shallow weed line edge. It was less than six feet of water. And we were just blown away. We started catching, like, 10-inch perch. They were dandies, you know. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think a couple of them were 11. But uh, we, we got about, I don't know if it was, like, about eight, six or eight of them, something like that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if they moved or we caught them all. I don't know. But we, we didn't catch any more along there, and it was time for us to go. And so, anyway, we left. But... I was amazed that Nagawica, the size of the perch on Nagawica, and we can't wait to get back there this year to try it again, you know. so. Yeah, another uh, tip for perch, if you can get a, go on some of those barges uh, up on the Mississippi where they oh, got those yeah. fishing, and, and it's a great setup. You can go inside, warm up, buy a hamburger, go out, fish, and uh, if you hit it right, you can catch all species of fish. And uh, my brother Tim... Got lucky with my brother-in-law years ago, and they got their limit, a perch one day. All oh, big ones. Now, they've never hit it like that since, but they just got there and hit it lucky at the right time. So 
that's something a guy could do too. I might get tempted next week or two to just take a day and drive up and park my butt on a barge and catch whatever. Yeah, and from what I hear, it's not too expensive at all. No, it's relatively I don't think it's inexpensive. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's much at all. In fact, a, a good friend of mine, Rob, uh, him and his dad used to go there, and uh, and they'd actually spend a couple days in a motel, and uh, and then they'd go out and fish the barge each day. So it's a kind of a cheap little mini vacation, and you don't have to tow a boat. You don't have to do much, but you can catch a little bit of everything up yeah. there. You know. Yeah, right, they got walleye. live bait there for you too. You know, they they got everything. They got food, live bait. You know, just bring a chair to sit on, like a lawn chair or something. You know, not a bad deal. I might I might have to check into that, Tom. Yeah, me too. That sounds like a. It does sound interesting. Now, when's the best time to go for that? Is is it any time during the year or? No, it's spring. Spring's spring, the so, best. Yep. Huh? Spring's best. So that's uh, you know that from I'm guessing right around right around from now going forward is probably going to be the best time. Uh, speaking of, uh, of uh, uh, best time, uh, when I drove over the bridge on Highway 172 there in Ishwaban and, and looked, to the, uh, looked towards De Pere, there's, there's an armada, a fleet, my friend, of boats out there. And so the walleye raiders have begun. Uh, and also, uh, uh, I did talk to uh, Tilke. He mentioned... Guys are catching them from shore. When I stopped at Howie's last week, he mentioned guys were already catching fish from the shorelines uh, in the ship canal where it was open, catching, casting for walleye. So the run is on, my friend. Yes, and that was Danny Bush with the 172 Bridge Report. Oh, oh yeah. That... <laughs> well, you know, Tom, since you haven't gotten out of your recliner in the last couple of years, I've had to take your place on those bridge reports, my friend. You know, it's funny. I used to always have to drive out to, but uh, now I can't even remember the name of the place I used to drive out to, the town, and I'd have to go over the bridge at the Rock River. And I could Jefferson? Tell in early in spring if, uh, you know, if the river was thawed out or if there was still ice on it, you know. You could always tell, you know, so yeah, yeah I, I remember I always used to do the bridge report, you know, <laughs> once yeah. a week. So People would wait breathlessly for That's that right. bridge report. Well, you, know, uh, you know, coming up pretty soon now, uh, I mean, I don't know if the Rock River is open now or not, but it's going to be open pretty darn soon if it's not open already. And the Rock River is one of those rivers where, yeah, if you want to fight the crowds, you can go there and catch walleyes, you know, a lot of short ones. But, man, oh, man, there's going to be a ton of people. Hey, we got a email here okay. from Ken. It says, uh, Tom, excuse me, Tom, do you use a float to give the mini mites enough weight to cast? Well, believe it or not, Ken, I can cast those mini mites pretty far. I use a six-and-a-half-foot, uh, either a six-foot or a six-and-a-half-foot a seven foot would be good too, but I use a light action. I do not use a short ultralight. If you use like a five, five and a half foot ultralight, you won't cast them very far. But if you use like a six and a half foot light action, you'd be surprised. You know, with four pound tests, you'd be surprised how far you can launch those mini mites. In the spring, I do use a float because I'm in shallow water. Uh, but in the in, in the summertime, I do not use a float because I'm fishing usually the deep weed line edges. And in the fall, sometimes i got to use a float there if I'm fishing shallow water again. So it all depends, Ken, if you're using 
if you're in shallow water or deeper water. But no, you should be able to cast those out with an, without a problem if you have the right equipment. Oh, you know what, Danny? Yes. It's time to go to a break. Coming up next is the Hornschwaggle. So That's right, it's... folks. This is your chance to win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls on the corners of Silver Spring and Pilgrim Road. Now, if you want to win that $10 gift certificate, you got to play the Hornschwaggle game with Danny. And that you can do that by calling 414-799-1250. Now, remember, if you've won in the last couple months, don't bother calling because Sam is make he's got a list, you know, so give somebody else a chance. Just call 414-799-1250 to play the Hornswoggle. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Wacky Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Newbauer. Sam, as usual, doing a fantastic job as our producer on the boards there. And uh, Tom, do we, I mean, Sam, do we have a uh, contestant? Yep, today we got Chris in Waukesha. Chris in Waukesha. Very good. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Okay, so you know how this works. I'll make the statement if I'm pulling your leg, then basically you say, Horn, that's a horn schwaggle. If I'm not pulling your leg, it's no horn schwaggle. So here we go. The topic, first topic is paddlefish. Paddlefish. Paddlefish, though not necessarily a common fish that people uh, fish for all the time, can grow extremely large and can weigh more than 100 pounds. Horn schwaggle or no horn schwaggle? I'm going to say no no Hornschwaggle. Very good. Yeah, the uh, world record is 151 pounds, 14 ounces, from Keystone Lake somewhere. Not here in Wisconsin, though. Okay, you're one out of one. Uh, Northern Pike, the Great Lakes, Great Northern Pike, one of my favorite species, even though they're much maligned by many people. Uh, but Pike, in Europe actually grow larger than their North American cousins. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? Pike in Europe grow larger. I'm going to say uh, no Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle! Okay, and let's see uh, if you'd get this last one. You're two out of two. Um, Park Avenue Pizza has Bailey's Cheesecake on special in March. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? <laughs> I'm going to give that a no horn schwaggle. No horn schwaggle. <laughs> go get that go. cheesecake if you can beat Tom to it. Yeah, there you go. Tom doesn't get there first. So <laughs> Sounds good. Make sure uh leave your uh, name and address and uh, with Sam, and I'll get that mailed out to you in the next week there. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, All right. Take thank care. Thank you well, another right. winner to Carl's Country Market. That's good. Carl's Country Market. You're all a winner when you play the Hornschwaggle, except sometimes uh, people get confused and don't get, get them correct. Um, Tom, I was going to ask you something. Now, you talked a couple months ago, weeks ago, whatever, about pickling fish, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, do you do anything special to, uh, you know, kill parasites when you uh, pickle fish? 
I don't I don't use the fish that have parasites in them. Okay. Well, how about keep, you... I don't keep those fish. No. Okay. How about have you do you pickle pike? Yeah. Okay. Because evidently, uh, pike can actually have tapeworms. So what they say that you want to do with pike is you don't want to just fillet them and then immediately go up go to, go to pickling them. Oh no. Want... Oh no. No. Okay. So what do you do, Tom? Well, if if you do have a fish that has you know the black spots on it, which turn into those little worm-like nodules in their skin, um, in their flesh. If you do have those, they have to be cooked thoroughly or frozen for at least 48 hours, one of the two. Either cooked thoroughly at 350 degrees or more or for, frozen for at least 48 hours or more. And that'll so, kill the tapeworm that's in it, the worm, you know. Because so, it is. It looks like, you know, if you ever cut one of those fleshy nodules open that's in the meat, and if you use a magnifying glass, it looks just like a little spike, like a little worm. Well, yeah. I don't know if those are the ones that become the tapeworms, Tom. Yeah, yes, it but is. Yeah, they are. That is the one? That's the ones. Oh, okay, I'm going to check on that one. But uh, yep. in, in, in my pike book, Mary Lindner's Pike, Al Lindner's Wife Pike Recipe, she had said that if you either have it froze for like, uh, I think, seven days first, if it's froze at zero degrees for seven days, I think it said, or you can simmer it for 10 minutes, which I guess simmer is uh, not quite a boil. But in Fisherman here, basically says this, it says in freshwater fish, the primary parasite of concern is the broadfish tapeworm. They're not pleasant to get, potentially growing to 30 feet long and an inch wide in humans. Yeah, in your intestine. That doesn't sound yeah. good. Carriers of broadfish tapeworm include northern pike, walleye, yellow perch, and burbot. And then he also says, and I wouldn't rule out Great Lakes salmon and trout. Um, it, it basically says that uh, uh, to kill parasites in fish, cook the flesh through to 140 five degrees Fahrenheit when it turns opaque and flakes easily. Another option is to freeze fish at minus four degrees Fahrenheit for seven days. Seven days sounds like a long time, but it takes quite a while for the middle of a, of a package of fish to reach minus four degrees. Use a freezer thermometer to ensure sufficiently cold temperatures are reached and it helps to pack fish in thinner packages so the center of the package reaches the recommended temperature faster so yeah, you know those fish you mentioned weren't the only fish that have that smallmouth bass bluegill largemouth bass you know all all the species can have them they can well, that's own. why it's that's why it said among others yeah those, exactly. you're mentioning, mentioning the others and uh years ago i did a when i was with outdoor wisconsin i did a show with this fellow who was uh what what's the kind of doctor that uh, knows about diseases? I forget what they call those. Uh, but anyway, he was it, one of them disease doctors, and we were out on the Doctor Fauci. Yeah, Fauci. There you go. <laughs> well, anyway, and uh, this guy we went out He'd and he brought with him in uh, like a quart jar. He brought a tapeworm with him, and he was explaining how you can get these tapeworms and what they do. And he brought one along to show what it looked like, that you wouldn't want one in you. 
and uh, he was explaining all that to me at the time. It was it was very interesting. But uh, yeah, I I won't even keep a fish if it has those black spots, and if they've got those worms in the flesh, no, no way. Uh, I won't. I I mean, yeah, you can kill them by by bake, you know, by uh, you know frying them in that. But the thing is, is that is it's aesthetically not pleasing to think about what you're eating, you know, dead or not dead. I, I don't want to even, you know, go near them. So. so you're saying you're eating the fried larvae. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't want to do that, whether it's well, dead I've or not. Well, I've even seen those, I've seen those little black spots on panfish sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, all the fish can have them. You know, they can all have them. And, See, uh, I... I know that was a parasite, and they used to say it's harmless, just cook the fish, but I didn't yeah. realize that that is the tapeworm one. Yeah, that'll turn into a tapeworm, because like I said, Danny, if you ever fillet a fish and you see one of those little fleshy nodules, cut it open and have a magnifying glass. It looks just like a little tiny baby spike wiggling and all that. Yeah, I don't want to eat that, it's fried if it's fried or not. You know, I have no way. Uh-huh. Okay, well, so, now I'm going to... Now I'm going to have to Google that information there, Tom, that you that you that you gave me on those black spots. But uh, I guess important safety tip, Egon: make sure you cook your fish thoroughly. Yes, exactly. Cook them. Although thoroughly. The, the one good thing about fish is it's not too hard to cook it, you know, thoroughly. It's not like you're cooking a turkey or a whole, you know, whatever um, uh-huh. chicken or something like that. So you can normally. You know, cook when you do deep fry. Do you go with the old thing where when they say the fillet is floating, Tom, that it's done? No, no, I don't go no? by that. Okay, no. well, what what does Tom go by? I know float. you're too good to go for that. What's no, your way to do it? They, yeah, they don't always float. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and and you know the thing is is that I uh, uh, you know because you know in the winter time because I don't ice fish so I don't have any fresh fish in the house from our area lakes so. Uh, you know, I buy haddock and cod and stuff like that, and I've I've never seen any of those that with the black spots or the fishy nodules or anything. I never, although ocean fish can get it. I was watching a YouTube video about how, though uh, you know those big groupers, those giant groupers, that those can have those worms in their flesh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, but I... I've never seen it in the ocean fish that I buy from the stores. I, I did look it up. You're right, Tom. The black spots on fish are tiny paravortex turbillario flatworms. Uh, yeah, so they are a type of a flatworm. Uh, yeah, that's as much as my research tells yeah, me so far. Yeah, and then they, what they do is they, they go in, they, they kind of work their way into the flesh, and then especially with small fish, what happens is the small, I mean, the birds will eat the small fish and then they'll you know poop them out in the lake and then the little the little uh black spots let's call them uh they get sucked up by clams the lakes that have more clams will have fish with more black spots because the clams act as a host for those black spots and when they get a little older they go out of the clam attach themselves to fish go inside the flesh and it all starts over again huh yeah, it's, okay. it's it's yeah. So if you if the lake has more more clams, like a lot of rivers, rivers have a lot of clams in them, and you'll find a lot of fish with those black spots on them in those rivers. So, but you know, it's funny, last year when we were up in Manaqua fishing those lakes up there, 
we've fished like three different lakes, and I'll tell you what, every smallmouth bass we caught had had those on them, every single one, and uh, a lot of the largemouth did too. So, but thank goodness the walleyes they didn't have any. So, hey, speak speaking of uh, all things scary, invasive, and uh, along those lines, the DNR sent an email out that says invasive zebra muzzles have been detected in aquarium moss balls. Um, and apparently that uh, they're putting out, it says retailers and consumers are urged to take action to, pre- to prevent spread of the invasive species. So apparently these moss balls are designed for aquarium use and sold under different names like Betta Buddy Marimo Balls and Marimo Moss Ball Plant Grab and Go. Huh. So uh, I guess if you got an aquarium and you've got some moss balls, uh, don't use them. Wow. <laughs> don't don't throw them in the lake. Yeah, keep them away from our yeah. waterways. Yeah, don't throw them in the, down the sewer. Yeah. We've we've got but, enough ze- zebra muzzles already in the lakes. Exactly, and one thing we don't have enough of is top of the hour breaks. Oh, so we're gonna we're gonna clear up that situation right now with a top when? of the hour break right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train. All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Thanks for sticking around for the second hour, and if you weren't with us for the first hour, thank you for joining us this morning at the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We are live, so if you want to become part of the show, if you have any questions or comments, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250, or you can always email us live at guys at yahoo.com and don't forget today is march 31st tonight you want to turn your clocks ahead for daylight savings time and right now danny i heard we have a first time caller on the line yes we have a first time caller and before i forget it's 7 30 we are going to have either dale strohshine or dave olson give us a call from the bay of green bay I, they think they got their walleye school going at seven after the 7 15 break i've got a special news flash breaking news about a a a rare kill in north dakota so i got a All north right. dakota report there and so now let's go to our first time caller all right and who is that sam let's go to robin racine Hey, good morning, Rob and Racine. How you doing today? Doing real well. Doing real well. Hey, well, heard you talking about the barges on the Mississippi. Yeah. And uh, just looking at, you know, what city or town those uh, uh, are docked up at? I believe Genoa. I think Genoa is one. And Trumpelo, um, I think, is another one. And they call them different numbers. Pool 13, pool this, pool that. Uh, you could probably go to Lake Link 
and do some uh, searching on their fish reports, Mississippi River pools, and you'd probably be able to, they normally, normally the guys that fish off those barges and so forth um, will post reports. Or you could Google as well, because there's, there's several outfits that advertise up there. I, I can't remember the names, but I was checking into it a couple of years ago. But with a little research, uh, I think you could uh, find there's probably more than good one, more than one good one. Sounds good. I know I use you guys as my research, so well if you uh, we, we if can you, be wrong if, every now and then <laughs> well not tom i'm wrong often but you know if you give tom some gas money he'll take a drive over some bridges for you <laughs> <laughs> so uh buffalo and uh, uh genoa genoa uh, G- yeah genoa i, I want to say genoa g-e-n-o-a genoa city or yeah. something like that yeah. That's, and the other seems... one i heard of is trempolo trempolo yeah, oh, Trempolo. Which is was well, that in Buffalo County? Is that what you where the buffalo well, came in? Maybe. No, Trempolo? I don't think so. No. But Trempolo, but the T T R E M P uh, Trempolo. But I think that's one of them. Yeah. But I know if if yeah if you Google it you'll you'll find it uh, or you know or if you look at it uh, I don't know if the DNR site has it but definitely Lake Links should have guys talking about it. Yeah, I Very know. Good. I'm nine, 99% sure that Genoa, G-E-N-O-A, and I want to say that's Pool 13, but I could be wrong. But check it out. You might, uh, you know, you might find yourself doing some great fishing, and it's pretty relaxing and enjoyable. But, but yeah, you got to promise us one thing. If you do go, you got to call us and tell us how you did. Sure thing. Sure thing. I appreciate right. it. Great. Thank you. All Thank right. You. Awesome. Thanks for calling. So anyway, seven nine nine twelve fifty, or email us at ceoguys at yahoo dot com. I love getting emails. You love love the I like emails. Get, I like getting emails. Yeah, yeah, it's and, nice. And before I forget, in the second hour of the show, once again, we got St. Patrick's Day specials going on. Park Avenue Pizza. They got their famous corned beef dinner. They got the Guinness stew. That stew sounds really good. And uh, then they got a whole bunch of March drink specials. Irish car bombs, pot of gold, Bailey's cheesecake. Once Tom doesn't eat all of them, and you might be able to get one. Yeah. Half well, and I'll half, bla- black and tan, black and blue. Actually, the Bailey's cheesecake, that's a drink, though, actually. It's not oh, a cheesecake. Oh, well, that's even better. Yeah. That's yeah, even better. Type of but drink. to tell you the truth, I've tried Guinness beer. I don't care for it. I, yeah. I, 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 I I don't know it's I don't know if uh, what it is but too strong or something uh, it's that dark stuff right well well the yeah. other thing Park Avenue has is something called half and half yeah which has fifty percent Guinness and fifty percent harp whatever that is whatever that is but I'm guessing that would probably maybe that would take kind of that edge off of it a little bit you know yeah, some of the dark I don't know some of the darker um, yeah I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to give it a try. Well, for most of our listeners, they're probably drinking hometown beer like Miller Lite or something like that, even though they shut down operations this week. Did you hear that, Tom? No. Why? Yeah, they got hacked, I guess. Oh, you know what? That happened to my, uh, my one of my daughter-in-laws. She works down, what's that big bank that's downtown? Not U.S. Bank, the other one. Um, North Shore uh, Bank? No. Don't, it's a big skyscraper downtown. She works at the bank down there. Well, anyway, 
their Chase? computers were hacked, and the people who hacked them took their information and told them that they had to pay them, I don't know how much money, $100,000 or whatever <laughs> it was, to, if you want your information back, you've got to pay us this amount. Well, thank goodness they had uh, some really good IT guys that uh, combated the hackers and got all their information back without them having to pay it. But, yeah, that happens to places. And so that happened to uh, to Miller, huh? Yeah, evidently they had to shut down uh, the Miller wow. and the Coors there. You know, son of a gun, you know. What's going on in this world? You can't get bullets, fishing tackles, hard to come by, and now Miller, <laughs> yeah, of course, is shutting down for the week. The whole yeah. world's going to hell in a handbasket, Tom. Well, I'll tell you, if somebody wanted to hack my, my computer, you go right ahead. You ain't going to get anything anyway, because I don't do any banking online or any of that stuff. So I don't either. Yeah, they wouldn't I, have I, I any information trust... of mine on the computer, nothing. Nope. I, it... uh, I, don't. I think we got a caller. All right. Was it was it U.S. Bank, Tom, or no? Yeah, that, no, no, not U.S. Bank. It's the other one. Oh, okay. Chase? I thought it was Chase or something. I don't know. No. Uh, All right. Who northern knows? Northern or North something. North or Northern something. All right. Let's go to Roger and Cudahy. Oh, Roger and Cudahy. We get the brothers calling today. Oh, yeah. We're avid listeners. What's up, Roger? Uh, one thing I was just going to talk about, mention kind of a obscure thing, and I, I admit I haven't done it for quite a few years, but uh, spring fishing for bullheads is, yeah. a, lot, is a lot of fun, and they're, they're great uh, smoked. And, you know, bullheads are really good eating. They get, they get another bad rap. They're just kind of a pain in the butt to clean, and you don't want to get stuck by them. You know, their peck fins and that dorsal fin, they can stick you pretty good, and there's some kind of, I don't know if I'd call it, would you call it a poison, Roger, or... But it's something that makes your skin turn red, and it's kind of painful for a while. I guess it's just what it is, is, it, is you, if you prick your skin, the slime that's basically on them, that's what will irritate. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. if you prick them. But, but, yeah, but they're very good, especially in the spring out of cold water. Yeah. Uh, they're good pan-fried, but they're really great uh, smoked. Oh, yeah, they would be great smoked. And they're, and they're yeah. a lot of fun to catch. I mean, we used to go just after dark. And, you know, you fish a couple hours, and, and you fish in any, you know, like a canal or, or even lakes offshore when they're spawning in the spring. And, yeah, it's it's a fun thing to do. Yeah, it can be. You just got to be uh, you got to be careful when you're swinging them over and you're grabbing them. You know? Yeah, you got to, once you know what you're, you know, you're looking for and how to grab them, it's, it's really not, it's, once yeah. in a while you get a little sting from them, prick from My- them, but. My uh, my friends would always just you know they'd just split their fingers and they just kind of make a V with two yep. fingers and just put them un- underneath. And uh, although I had one friend of mine years ago, uh, we were fishing the East River in Green Bay and he tried to step on the bullhead to get the hook, rip the hook out, and he had tennis shoe with a thin sole. Oh yeah. And it went right through into the bottom of his foot. And you want to see a guy who appeared to be in pain. Oh, my gosh. I All I got to say is don't think I'd want to do that. <laughs> yeah, people uh, people used to think, you know, their whiskers are what would get you. But No, those are they're nothing. Spikes on the one on the top and two on the sides. Yeah. How about, do, do catfish have the same thing, you guys? Yes, they do. They do, yep. Yeah, but how come you don't hear about people? You don't hear about people really worrying about I, those. I think too because much. they're just bigger, they're easier 
to to handle. Yeah, yeah, and you got to watch out. Those are like uh, spears or knives or whatever. They're they're big <laughs> and they're nasty. Yeah, and I guess are. and they got a heck of a grip with their jaws. If you ever try to lip one like a bass, they they even a little bullhead. Oh, they'll really grab onto you. Yeah. yeah. They do. Hey, thanks for calling, Roger. You bet. Yep. We'll remember that. Uh, we got an email here, Danny. Okay. This is from Tim, and Tim wants to talk about Pewaukee walleyes. He said, last month of the game fish season had some nice evenings for walleyes. Only two were the legal 18 inches, and most were 15 to 17. After one evening, met a guy at the public launch who was involved with a stocking of walleyes on the lake. He asked uh, what we caught, and eventually we had a discussion about size limits. We both agreed that soon a protected 20 to 24-inch slot should be incorporated as next year um, because a lot of these fish will be legally harvested at 18. He was involved with the effort to create this slot, your input and ideas. And that's from Tim in Bayview. What do you think, Danny? I think there should well, be a... I... 20 to 24 inch slot well i think um i think ben uh heisner and uh in the in the pewaukee walleyes for tomorrow group worked on changing the regs it's what it's i think it's what two over 18 or something like that three, or three fish over 18 right now three over 18 uh, we are starting to see some in that year class. Now, I, I, I'll admit I kept and harvested. My only one I caught this summer, I caught 19 and a half inch on a tip-up and um, got some good fillets from that. In fact, you ate it, Tom. I gave it to you. Um, but maybe, maybe a, a slot limit so it allows people to, you know, maybe, you know, maybe keep a couple over 18 if you do. But if you get... Uh, some of the bigger ones, I guess if you protect like a, let's say a 21 to 25 incher or those, that range, that's allowing those fish to not get all knocked off and grow where you might be able to go out and catch a 27, 28, 29 incher. Um, well, yeah, someday. well, with this uh, 20 to 24 inch slot, you're basically looking at, you know, keeping some fish that are under that size, which are good eating fish, those 17, 18, 19 inches, those are excellent eating. But the 20 to 24 inches are really good spawners, and they're going to drop a lot of eggs, you know. So maybe that's not a bad idea to protect those. I've never been against slot limits, never, Although, ever. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I know you've nev never met a slot limit you didn't like. That's but right. The, uh, um, the 20... But I don't know. Then would they change it then, where you can keep anything under twenty? Because right well, now yeah, they got to be eighteen. A, well, that's what a slot would be. That the twenty to twenty-four inches would have to go back, but you could keep three fish under, or one over. You know, that would probably be that you could keep two fish under, and if you caught one that was twenty, let's say a mount, wall mounter at twenty-eight inches, well, you could keep that one. But right. uh, generally, it would be the ones that were under twenty-four inches. I mean, under 20 inches, three fish limit, but one could be over 24. So basically, you're letting people keep some of the smaller ones, you know, and keep. Fortunately, the no the one's gonna, no one's gonna send me or you to school to become a biologist. So fortunately, we won't be making the regs. And no, we won't be. No. I, I, and I think we got to go to break. Uh, sounds like a plan, Danny. I think it's about that time. We'll be right back, folks. Oh, and when and when we come back. 
We got another email, and Danny's got some other good stuff. As North fact, Dakota Report. Emails. Huh? North Dakota Report, a That's rare right. kill. North Dakota Report, and then we got a, two emails about the Mississippi River barges. All so right. Stay tuned for that and more, folks. We'll be right back with the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer talking all things hunting and fishing. You can email us at ceoguys at yahoo.com or if you want to give us a call, 414-799-1250. And right now, Tom, I'm going to give a North Dakota news flash. This is a big one now. This is big news. Big, 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 big. Uh, title of this article, Nice Shoots. White gopher, yes. Larry Neese shot an albino gopher, something most of us have never seen, in a pasture on his father's farm, a quarter of a mile west of Edmond. Neese saw the wily rodent, the unusual animal, while he was shooting the regular brown ones. He had to wait a long time before the colorless animal ventured from the hole. Said Neese, I shot it through the neck so everybody could get a good look at the thing he said and there so basically this was get this tom i was i was at a little bar with with al in north dakota right and there on their bulletin board is this newspaper article and it's got a picture of this sodbuster holding the dead white gopher by the tail and there's a picture of him standing there smiling with the gopher. And that was big news for the local paper up there when he got the white gopher. So I just well, had to crack up on that one. This yeah. was an old report. Congratulations to him. <laughs> hey, you know, a white gopher. I wonder if he got that thing mounted like I got my black squirrel on a white birch log. What do you mount a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope he did. Mount a, mount a white gopher next to, I don't know, you put it on a black log, I guess. I guess. Well, we got a couple of emails about fishing on the Mississippi. This ought to friend our, help our friend Robert a lot. Regard to This is from Travis. Travis says, regard to the Mississippi River, there is a float at Genoa, or Genoa, at the Dresbach and Trempolo Dams, and that is Pool 7-9, I believe. I know Dresbach and Tempolo, Trempolo have walls you can fish off as well. They are all by dams, and I know the Dresbach uh, afloat, the float at Dresbach, you pay 20 bucks for the ride to the float. And for good research aspect, Facebook Mississippi Rivers Pool 1 through 14. That, that's what you should go to on Facebook. Now, the other one, let me just click here a little bit. This is from Gregory. Gregory says, Clements in Genoa, Wisconsin. Best that's the that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, Clements. Best damn fish float, La Crosse, Wisconsin. That's another one. Best damn fish float. That's in La Crosse. Great Alma. That's one I was thinking about. Great Alma fishing float in Alma, Wisconsin. Trempolo fish float. That's the other one I was thinking of. Trempolo fish float in Trempolo. Below Wisconsin, and that's from Greg. Thank you, Greg, in West Bend. So here's the ones that you 
want to look up, write this down. Clements, Best Dam Fish Float, Great Alma Fish Float, Trempolo Fish Float. Those are the four you, you want to look up. And if you can't write them down fast enough, just, Sam, how do they go to our podcast to listen to this over again? Just go to 1250amthefan.com, click Fan on Demand, or like go to, there's a thing at the top of the website that says podcast. So you click on that, and then you just find the Cutting Edge Outdoors. Yeah, and just look uh, look up uh, uh, 720, <laughs> you know, about 720 in the morning, and you can hear it all over again. So that's, yeah, if you can, that's great. That's great info, you know. I'm going to save that info, Danny. Save that, Tom. I'm going to save that from uh, from Greg. Clements, huh? Clements and Johnsonville, the two to remember. No, just Clements. (laughs) (laughs) No, Clements, Best Dam, Great Alma, and Trempolo. Yeah, I'm saving those because uh, I'm going to see if I can talk my boys into maybe going out there. I think uh, I think Clements was the one in Genoa. And I, I think that's where my brother-in-law went and got all the perch that time with my yeah. brother, if memory serves correct. Yeah. 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 That sounds. So. It sounds like it'd be a lot of fun, you know. Well, you know what? Just grab some rods and reels, and and you can pick up bait. And uh, you know, I think they fish with live bait quite a bit, and you can yeah. catch anything, including some good pike. And for 20, I mean, it seems like an easy, fun thing to do in the spring. So, uh, yeah. and you probably uh, go go there during the weekday. Maybe you don't. It's probably not that crowded out there. But I think we have a caller, Tom. All righty. Let's go to Gary in River Hill. Hey, Gary. Good morning. Morning, guys. Hey, I was just going to get back to you real quick. On uh, you were talking about bullheads, and my uncle and I fish bullheads for years, and same thing. Smoked, they're delicious, but you got to go with the with the yellow bellies. The white bellies taste bland. You get the yellow bellies, the bigger yellow bellies, and they're sweet. And then what we do, you get a bug for smoked fish in the middle of winter, is we take that meat off that yellow bellies, chop it up, and put it into olive oil and can them. In the oh. middle of winter, when you got a craving for some smoked yellow belly bullheads with a bottle of beer, it's nothing like it. Oh, that sounds, tastes gr- good. What time should we be over? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, by the way, uh, I used to work, I think it was your nephew, uh, Steve Newbauer. We were at Northridge Mall back in the day. That's uh, that's a cousin of mine. A cousin of yours. How's yeah, he doing? Yeah, that's a cousin. I haven't, Steve is the one who got his leg uh I think he lost a leg in a motorcycle accident. Oh, no kidding, huh? Yeah, a number of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. if you ever bump into him, tell him Gary says hello back in the old Northridge days. Well, I'll, I will tell him that if I ever see him. I haven't seen him in years either. You know you know how sometimes you lose track of family members, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, so I haven't seen him in a while, and I'd like to, though. I'd like to. Sure. Yeah. Invite well, him for dinner, Tom. Come on. Saturday. I listen to you guys every Saturday, and uh, it's fun to listen to you guys. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. You bet. All right. You take care now. You too. Bye. You know, you know, it's funny, Danny. He was talking about the yellow belly and white belly bullheads. I don't ever remember catching one with a white belly. Um, Uh, All the ones that we ever caught, you know, years ago were always the yellow belly ones. Well, the ones that I caught... Most of them had a yellow belly. Now, I do remember catching a few uh, in Green Bay by Bay Beach Park and uh, the Fox River, uh, or yeah, the East River that sometimes did have a white belly. I, I do recall getting some that didn't have that 
yellow belly quite so much. Um, yeah. That must the, be the brown bull head. I'm not. I'm not. Boy, that's that's interesting. Now, the ones that, when he mentions yellow yellow belly, what stands out in my mind is many years ago when I used to fish for pike in the Peshtigo Harbor. Um, this time of year, all the way into early May, uh, with, with live shiners and smelt, there were several times when the bobber went down and uh, with the live shiners, and we thought we had a pike, and I wound in some gargantuan bullheads, huge, uh, right at the mouth of the Peshtigo River up there, and they were black on the back, as black as could be, and as brilliant yellow fat belly as you can imagine they were just beautiful uh i, I wish i'd actually weighed one of them but they were really big and if a guy wanted to go target them probably with some smaller minnows i'm guessing we probably could have got a bunch of them back then but i'm thinking those would be the ones the good ones to eat out of that good clean water up there in the upper part of the bay yeah as a matter of fact i'm looking at the wisconsin records and there's two types of bullheads actually there's three types of bullheads listed one is a black bullhead, a brown bullhead, and the yellow bullhead. And I'm guessing the yellow belly would be the yellow bullhead. And the state record for that one is 3 pounds, 5 ounces. The brown bullhead, the state record is 4 pounds, 2 ounces. And the black bullhead is 5 pounds, 8 ounces. I think if you caught one of those, you'd kind of think it was a catfish, you know? Gee. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think that there's probably been some kept that didn't even realize they had a state record <laughs> bullhead because they thought it was, you know, it was a yeah, six-pound catfish. catfish. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen a black or a brown one. I know I've seen a lot of yellow bellies, but I'd like to, I, I wonder where they were. I'm going to have to Google that and see some pictures of the what's the differences between the three, if it's just and, color and, or what. And, and while you're doing your research, Tom, I want you to kind of study the demographics of which part of the state has which type of bullhead. Okay, I'll get right on that. Get on, I want that. We expect that paper <laughs> on my desk by Tuesday at noon. Um, I think we got another caller. All righty. All right, out in Prairie du Chien, we say hello to Gary. Hey, Gary in Prairie du Chien. That's quite a ways to be giving us a buzz. Good morning. Hi, Tom. We get around, though. I actually live in Watertown, but we got a trailer in Prairie du Chien. And my son Cody's fished with you a lot of times when he was a junior. And, uh, he was, uh, with me? Or... Yeah, we are. he is out when he was probably 12, 14 years old with you uh, in a couple fishing places when you need to call somebody. And right now he's about 33, and he gets around all over and where we always go out to pray to Sheen out here. I got a trailer out here. The perch ain't biting. Yes, you got a boat that you stay in the middle of the river and they keep the line straight down. And the barge opens next week, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, they open up next week already, huh? Okay. And you know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know. Thanks for that information. Yeah, like I say, my son fishes all over. We've been out battle with Bago and all over. He's just an avid fisherman. Whenever he's not working, he's we're out fishing. Well, that's good. He can't get in too much trouble then. <laughs> I got one problem. You know my daughter is too because we've been at all your things that you gave when the basketball things and that. Um, I lost that certificate for uh, Rachel. You gave, gave me one quite a while ago, and I was going to use it at her wedding, and we finally got her wedding in October. 
And I was going to give it, I gave it to her then, but we don't know where it went. Oh, I that's going to give her a certificate for, uh, for um, the sport, Sportsman's Journal and over at Wisconsin Sportsman's Journal or whatever. Or, or Badger Sportsman? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't even have any more of those anymore. We're uh, no longer sponsored with them. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah. Right. Thanks for the well, tip. Yeah, yeah hey, thanks anyway. for the call. We appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Tell your son good luck. Catch a lot of fish. Yeah, we do. He got about 14 uh, last weekend of uh, saw guys, but the walleyes ain't really hitting real hard either. Well, they'll they'll be coming around. So, all right, you take care. Now we got to run to a break, and folks, we'll be right back with more of the Skipper Bus. Listen to me, Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. If you want to send us an email, that's CEO Guys at Yahoo dot com, or call us at four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. And right now on the line with us there, Thomas, is Mr. Dale Strohshine up at Wacky Walleyes. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, gentlemen. How's everything up there on the bay? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's... uh... It's that time of the year, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. You know, ice is starting to dwindle, and, uh, you know, we're starting to see some open water. I'm excited. You know, every time this year I go down to Missouri, uh, at Bass Pro Shops, what they call base camp, and I pick up my new boat. And so it won't be long, and I'll be out on the open water, and I, I actually am very excited about that. It's, it was a short winter, but a long winter. <laughs> Yeah, we know what you mean. Yeah, I know. We talked about this a few weeks ago. How this is the time of the year where it's just like in 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 the fall when there's not enough ice to go ice fishing, but yet too much ice to take a boat out. You know, so you're in between. And just like now, the ice is going away. You can't wait till it gets out. Not enough to go. If there's enough ice out on lakes, but you just can't get to it because there's no shore ice to get to it. So. Yeah, exactly. it's a funny time of year. We're looking forward to the rest of that ice going away. So, yeah, so Dale, I, I know you, uh, you your uh, walleye fishing probably got cut short now with uh, the ice fishing anyway for the walleyes, but you have some open water walleye schools as well, correct? Yes, yes. Those will, those will be coming up. You know, they're well attended always each year. We, uh, we have different breakout sessions, guys, where we, you know, go into – talking about how to tie hair, hair jigs, and uh, we also go and go down in the pool. I show everybody how to tune crankbaits. We go through a knot session, you know. So there's different breakout sessions. And then just more importantly, what, I, what we'll talk about is just how to fish Green Bay or, you know, in and around the Sturgeon Bay area. Some of the things that have really helped me throughout all my years of being a guide and a competitive angler. And... Uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's great camaraderie. Always, we give away, uh, you know, tons of prizes typically, and uh, you know, to the guys and uh, gals who attend. And also, I do a smallmouth school, so you know, smallmouth is a big part of my repertoire now, and of uh, 
done very well with the smallmouth up here. And it's funny because I got more people now pursuing big smallmouth than, than I do, you know, guys pursuing big walleyes. It's, it's, it's this evolution. It's this change, you know. I, I sometimes wonder if I shouldn't have changed my name to, uh, you know, Wacky Smallmouth now because I do so much <laughs> Wacky Smallmouth. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me ask you, Dale. As far as the the smallmouth up there, um, there was we when we talked to you this fall, there was going to be some big meeting with stakeholders, and they were some people were concerned with protecting the smallies, maybe have some different regs and so forth. Any anything ever come of that, or is everything pretty much status quo as far as regs and management? Yeah, they, there was a couple of small, really, I think, uh, insignificant changes, but. But I liked what they did. Uh, number one is they got rid of, you know, our season. So we used to have an opener for smallmouth. And um, they, they did away with that. So now, you know, as soon as there's open water, uh, a guy can go out there and, you know, start chasing the smallmouth. And then the other thing they did is they, they made kind of a sanctuary up on uh, Lake Michigan. There's an area over there where a lot of guys like to fish. And uh, because of the higher water tables, you know, they were now able to get back into this, this particular uh, piece of water. And and uh, so they, they cut that off and made that a closed season in there uh, so those fish could go back in there and, and spawn. And uh, But other than that, um, really wasn't much else that uh, was done. So um, those changes, I always kind of wondered, you know, because smallmouth, I always kind of questioned, you know, it was, really always tough to say, well, what was a guy out there fishing for, even though we always knew, you know, what people were fishing for. But it always, to me, kind of never made sense just because I get the cold season, but it was like, listen, they're not doing anything right now. They're just coming in to eat. We're really not doing anything as far as damage to the fish, so why have a season on them and, uh, that way? And I was kind of glad they, they did away with that. I've still got a lot to learn with this now. You know, I mean, I've not spent any time out there early early, early uh, open water for smallmouth. I, you know, it's going to be one of these things that's going to be, uh, it'll take a little time to figure that out if that'll be any advantage to me at all. But I would think that a guy, if, it, if he can figure that out a little bit, you know, this is the time of the year where you're going to get your absolutely biggest smallmouth just because they're, you know, they're going to be carrying that uh, roll around and it's all developed and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be the biggest they're ever going to be at this time of the year. So when you're targeting those early season smallmouth, uh, I'm guessing that it, with the super cold water that they're going to be pretty lethargic. You're going to have to go with a what a stealth presentation. Uh, you know, I mean, how would you go about it? Yeah, I'm I'm going to say that you know it's going to be just like that fall bite where it's going to be, you know, just like watching paint dry or a tennis shoe rot. You know, I mean, you're going to throw out uh, a net rig or a tube or you know. Uh, a twister tail or something, and you're just going to have to leave it set. And, uh, you know, with the water being so gin clear here, um, what will end up happening is it actually disturbs the fish to the point where they react. You know, they see this thing, they follow it. You're going to have to get into areas, obviously, that you know that uh, are a little bit fishy. Because what's going to happen is what makes kind of a smallmouth unique, guys, is they winter in the absolute, absolute deepest part of the lake. So uh, we're going to have to get out on these deep edges where they're going to start sliding up and transitioning as that water's starting to warm, as the temperatures start coming up with March and the warm rains that come in uh, with spring and May and stuff like that in April. Um, so, 
You'll have to get on those deep edges, work super, super slow, and uh, but it could pay off very big dividends with some, I'm thinking you're going to see here in the near future, uh, the next state record come out of here. I mean, I look back in August a couple of years ago, I caught one that was uh, seven and a quarter pounds. That fish was caught in August. You know, and a lot of people have commented on my Facebook, well, that's no big deal. There's 10 of them weighed in at the Sturgeon Bay Open. What people don't understand is those fish that were weighed in in the Sturgeon Bay Open were five-and-a-half-pounders. You know, when you get one in August 1st with no developed roll, uh, no feed bag, I'm telling you what, that fish come springtime that would have weighed in at the Sturgeon Bay Open would have been the state record. Um, so I think the state record's out here. It's just going to be a matter of time until somebody breaks it. And I won't even go out. I wouldn't even put it out of the uh, the possibilities that there's a new world record uh, that's going to be taken, and that would be taken out of here, too. I would have to agree with you 100% because those fish are growing. Day after day, year after year, they're just getting bigger and bigger. So definitely agree with you on that, Dale. Yeah, hey, so, Dale. Yeah, go ahead, Dad. Quick question. Is there a progression in the bay where you have walleye and smallmouth spawning in the lower part of the brick bay and then once they're done you can still find can you still find spawning walleye and smallies further north if you keep going on up you know that's an interesting question you bring up that's actually a really good question um you know to answer that i would say yes uh to a certain degree because what ends up happening is you're you're looking down and down at really two different uh fisheries because as you move north, the water is super, super deep. So what, what's end up, why I'm going to say yes to that is because the water's not warm enough there yet for those fish to start doing what they're doing. Everything is driven by water temperatures. So absolutely, you know, you can come down here in the lower bay and you're going to, you're going to hit, say, for example, some pre-spawn uh, walleyes early and some pre-spawn smallmouth early. And then you could move up the peninsula where you move up into that much deeper water and uh, where the fish now back to the south in the shallower water, a lot of those are post-spawn. Now you could move north and you can find fish that are pre-spawn again. And I I would have to agree with that. I mean, that definitely is something that's more than feasible. I've actually seen that myself, you know, where I've gone up and and, uh, chased some of those walleyes and smallmouth up there and, and, you know, around here, for example, you're going to see the smallmouth, uh, you know, finishing up in June, where you move up north, and you're seeing them finishing up in July, you know. So, absolutely, you can you could hit two periods, if you will, of pre-spawn. And, and it sounds like that spawn is, isn't, it, it seems like it's kind of a, a drawn out over a period of time. It's not like... You know, like some fish spawning, it seems like it's done in a week or whatever. It sounds like that it's kind of over a period of time you can find fish in, in different stages. Yeah, and you, man, I'm telling you what, you're, you're, you've got some great questions again today. No disrespect, Tom, uh, but absolutely, you know, I mean, when you're, when, when you're looking at that stuff like that, um, that's exactly, I mean, those are all just things that happen, and... Um, I mean, those are all things, uh, yeah, that's always, that's good stuff. I kind of lost my train of thought there, which I apologize for. So, so, no, that's okay. Uh, well, that's so, okay because, you know, the funny thing is, is that same thing happens on our area lakes, especially if you've got a, a long north and south lake. Uh, for one, for an example, would, down here would be a Lake Nagawica, 
where you have largemouth bass spawning in the southern end of the lake, but in the northern part of the lake, they're in pre-spawn. Just because of the temperature difference, the sunlight hitting them at different angles, right. warming up sooner here than there. You know, I mean, yeah, that, you can find that on other lakes, but boy, Lake, I mean, the Bay of Green Bay, there you got some big temperature swings because it's so big, you know? Well, and, and that's, that's exactly it, Tom. I mean, you're looking at changes every day. So these fish pull in, all of a sudden we get a cold front, you know, and the water temperature drops, uh, the, pushes the water out, you know, and then they'll pull back out. And, and here's the sad part about that, guys. You know, when that stuff happens like that, that's very traumatic to these fish. And uh, many a times, unfortunately, when you do get these long, drawn-out spawns like that, um, you end up losing your classes just because it's so traumatic on the fish, they end up reabsorbing their eggs. So you, it can be kind of, it's kind of a good thing and bad thing, but at the end, it's, it's probably not the best thing uh, just because, like I said, you can end up using, losing your classes. Yeah, uh, we got to go to a break, and can you tell us, uh, Dale, how people get in, get in touch with you for the walleye schools, the smallmouth schools? Yeah, all I got to do is uh, give give Karen a call. You can call us on a toll-free number, uh, 888-879-5548. Again, that's 888-879-5548. And then Karen will get you uh, hooked up and come up and attend one of the schools. That would be awesome. We'd love to have everybody that's listening today. All right. Well, thanks for a few minutes, Dale. We always appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? All right, guys. Take care, Dale. Okay, Thank you. thanks. Bye now. Bye. And right now, we got to go to our last break of the day. And, Danny, good luck. Are you going pheasant yep. hunting today? I'm heading out the door now, buddy. All right. Well, good luck. Let us Take know what care. happened next week. And uh, yep. I'll be back, folks, in the last part of the show. Uh, Bushless. Like, can we say that? Bushless? Anyway. So we'll be back. Good luck, Danny. We'll uh, stay tuned for more, folks, of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. is the final countdown of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. And, you know, now that Bushy's on his way off pheasant hunting with uh, Al, uh, what, what, what does he call Al Shooks? Uh, the quick and the dead or something like that. Well, anyway, but this is a good time for me to clear things up without Bushy interrupting and making up stories. Now, Bushy's probably listening on his radio right now and you know that's what you do, Danny. You know that. So I'm going to clear things up right now about these 19-inch crappies. You know, years ago when I was doing TV shows with Outdoor Wisconsin, I, uh, every year we'd have to uh, go to the Milwaukee Sports Show, and uh, we'd have to, you know, sit in the booth and talk to people as they came by, which was pretty nice, you know. But every now and then, you know, you run into a person who, well, tends to exaggerate a little bit, let's put it that way. And we're supposed to be nice, you know, and say, oh, how, you know, especially Bushy, he likes to be nice to people. Sometimes I, I have uh, got to the point where maybe I'm not as nice. I mean, I'm still nice, but I just tell them that the size of the fish that they're talking about uh, is a little unrealistic. Well, anyway, then one time I had a guy tell me how about how he caught a 16-inch bass that weighed 8 pounds. I'm like, wow, oh, how about that, you know? And we all know that's not true. I had another guy tell me at the sports show one time about how he was catching these perch, and he was putting them in a 
five-gallon bucket head to the bottom, and their tails were hanging out over the edge of the top. Now, I don't know what the heck he was catching, but it sure wasn't perch. Then I had another guy, and I finally had it this one day. I had a number of people telling me fish stories, and I finally kind of had it. And one guy came up to me and told me about these 19- and 20-inch crappies. He was catching limits of 19- and 20-inch crappies out of Lake Puckaway. Now, if you know Lake Puckaway, it's like four feet, big lake, but about four feet deep. Um, you know, there might be a few deeper spots, but basically a pretty shallow lake. It's uh, like a widening or an overflow of some river. But anyway, and I, I said to him, I said, 19 to 20 inch crappies? And he said, oh, yeah, a lot, limits. And I said, I'll tell you what, I says, you bring me a 19 inch crappie, I says, I'll give you $1,000. Now, that's the story. And of course, I've never heard from the guy again uh, because I know he's not going to catch a 19 inch crappie up there. But Danny. Ten, then he started saying that I was going to give anybody $1,000 that they caught a 19-inch crappie out of any lake. Well, that's not true. I never said that. It was just to this one person out of one lake. And uh, so, Danny, it's about time I got things straightened. Sam, if Danny tries calling to interrupt in this story or say something or make up a story, don't let him on because we know what he's going to do. And I know I'm going to hear about it next week. That's for sure. But, folks... You know, sometimes fishermen have had, um, they have a reputation of exaggerating. Let's put it that way, okay? Fishermen do have a reputation of exaggerating about, you know, the size of fish they caught. And I've been always been the person that I always tend to under-exaggerate the fish I caught just because of the fact that I don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, really exaggerates and, you know, you ever see somebody when they hold out their hands about how big the fish are? It's always a lot bigger than what the fish really was. I mean, <laughs> you know, it always is. But like I said, fishermen, we, we have that uh, moniker of doing that. And uh, But I try not to. You know, some of the bigger bass that I've caught, I, I don't know what they weighed because I released them. But, you know, I can say, well, you know, maybe it was this big, but I never want to go too big, you know? I mean, yeah, I'm, I might have caught a seven-pound largemouth, but I don't really know. And so I always say, well, I know it was at least six, but it could have been seven. It was a, by the way, it was a 23-and-a-half-incher out of Pewaukee Lake that was as round as round could be. As a matter of fact, it was on the cover of Midwest Outdoors magazine. Now, that fish might have hit seven pounds, but I didn't want to say it was seven because I don't know if it was or not, but I know it was definitely over six. But that was a big fish. I've caught a number of 24-inch largemouth that one was so skinny and small. I mean, it was a dying fish. You know, it had a big head and real, you know, nothing of a body left, you know. And uh, another one was like average size. It wasn't real deep in the belly. So I know that one wasn't a monster. I mean, yeah, it might have been six pounds, but... It wasn't real heavy. You know, if it was heavier, it could have been even a lot more. But like I said, it's one of those things where, in, in, you know, I try not to over-exaggerate. Although, like I said before, you know, fishermen are noted for over-exaggerating. And you know what, though? Sometimes, like Danny says, you just take, a, take it with a grain of salt, pat the person on the back and say, hey, that away, good fish. 
maybe I should be more like that too, you know, sometimes. And, you know, sometimes, you, you know, sometimes I just get a little upset, you know, when I get a, hear a lot of it and I just can't take it anymore. But you know what else, you know, I, I can take? I can take the end of the show because we've been on for two hours. It's gone really fast. I'm looking forward to next week already. The sooner I, this ice gets off, the better. So, folks, until next week, I'm Tom Neubauer for Dan Bush, wishing you a great weekend. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. <laughs>